This is Witches, Bitches, and Dead People with Intuitive Oracle Jamie Hearn. Jamie stirs the cauldron with witches, shamans, healers, psychics, and mediums who bravely share their power and give you insight into what conversations with dead people really look like. It's probably not what you think. Sometimes hilarious, sometimes macabre, and always informative. Welcome back to Witches, Bitches, and Dead People. Today, I'm chatting with Dr. Robin McKay. We're going to talk about surviving in a corporate environment when your empath's heart is truly spiritual and anything else cool that wanders in. Robin McKay is a PhD who is a global expert on career acceleration for spiritual entrepreneurs, transformational coaches, and solo practitioners who are ready to harness their spiritual intelligence and attract corporate clients. Welcome to Witches, Bitches, and Dead People, Robin. Thank you. I was wondering, which one am I? Aren't we really all embodying all three? (laughs) I mean, the dead people talk to me. I guess I'm not dead, but. Right. But you're, you have access to that realm and Mm -hmm. let's face it, you are magic. So Mm -hmm. I think that covers the witches part and we can all be bitches whenever we want to be right. hundred (laughs) percent. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) So just like every other day, I have pulled a card for the energy of our conversation and I got the Kuan Yin card. Oh, and I wore my pink today too. Perfect. I know it's exactly the same color. That's super cool. Um, They're from the Path of the Soul deck from Cheryl Lee Harnish, one of my favorite decks. And the quick message from this card is that often we're much kinder to others than we are Mm -hmm. to ourselves. And it's time to start integrating and embracing some of that forgiveness and compassion for us. Yeah. I think you were going to pull a card too. I am. I've got all kinds. I love this deck. It's the Astral Realms Oracle. Oh, sorry. It's uh, I don't even know who's, there's no name on it. Rockpool is the publisher. Anyway, it's, I've been working with, um, Lemurian energy for a while now and the crystalline energies. And so I love this deck. So I was going to pull a card and see. There's so many that are kind of hopping out. So let's see. Oh, here, this one. This is the one. Oh, the uh, Herkimer Diamond. Herkimer Diamond is associated with the Earth Star Chakra. And it's all about, where's my screen? Alignment. Alignment. Awesome. So I think that combination of kindness for self goes right into alignment. Definitely. When we're leaders, there's nothing more painful, I think, than being out of alignment. One of the ways, to Kuan Yin's point, one of the ways we're out of alignment is overextending kindness to other people and underextending it to ourselves. Absolutely. Uh, Have you ever been to a Herkimer diamond mine? No, but I know you have. I have. And let me tell you, it was a really good exercise in self-compassion because it is an arduous task mining those. But they're beautiful. You get these little tiny, tiny crystalline structures inside a huge rock 
That's they call it in the matrix. And it's really an amazing experience. So anyone who wants to test themselves a little bit physically and spiritually, because it's a journey, go check out the Herkimer Diamond Mines. They're accessible to, to whomever wants. Where to are those in Arkansas? No, those are in upstate New York. They are right along the I-90 corridor between Albany and Syracuse areas. We will keep that in mind. I was actually going to wear my Herkimer diamond necklace and I chose Joan of Arc today instead. So we've got all kinds of symbols and energies and consciousness here with us today for sure. Absolutely. So you yourself are a gifted empath. Where did you start on this spiritual journey? I think I was born that way, Jamie. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm, no, and I say that, I, I know I was born that way. And I come from a line of, I don't know if I like empaths so much, frankly, because I think empaths have really bad boundaries because we feel everything. So we have to practice boundaries. True. But I am an intuitive. I love the word, the phrase spiritual intelligence, as you know, because that's actually describes the capacity to alter one's consciousness in the service of yourself or some other of another person and to use spiritual tools, energetic tools to create real world transformation. So you you and I both have a background in the Akashic Records and we love to pull cards and things like that. But early on, from the time I was a little girl, I think my earliest spiritual memory was my mom teaching me how to say my guardian angel prayer when I was... I don't think I was three yet, but I distinctly remember the guardian angel prayer. My family is Catholic. So there was always this Catholic mysticism component to my family and then later charismatic Catholic on my mother's side. But my dad's side, I would say that they were the pure intuitives. They were the ones who my dad, my grandmother, they were the ones who kind of had things figured out in terms of the five, the five senses are not all there is. So, and that's that's so that beautiful. Sense? Absolutely. I love that they had a grasp on that because I also am from a line of very, very deeply intuitive, gifted people. And unfortunately, it was often miscategorized as mental illness in my family mm -hmm. and they didn't know what to do with it. So when I saw it coming through in my son, I made the choice to figure it out because I didn't want to propagate that same pattern over and over. Yeah. You want to break the genetic and generational lineages around making this, these beautiful gifts that we have wrong, making them create, you know, make it, that's the big thing is that she's crazy. That's usually yeah. the, the line that, that we are given. So we have a lot of work to do there. And I'm so glad that you are instrumental in breaking that in your own family so that your son has the ability to take that to the next, to the next place. And at least with him, I have been pretty successful in normalizing the conversation around intuition. Mm -hmm. And he's so aware of things that even escape my attention that he's a good check and balance for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. So I was, as I was listening to you talk about your son, I was thinking back on my own history and our intuition in my family was just never something we really talked about. We're all telepathic. 
And I didn't know that until I didn't even know that was a thing until much later in my life when I realized that my sisters, my mom and I would would sit in the car together and drive. We lived kind of in the country, so we would drive long distances and we would have entire conversations silently. And then at some point on the journey, somebody would pipe up and say, well, what about him? And we all know who him was. We all knew we were all on the same page. It was just all going on mentally. We didn't have words for that. We didn't have words for, I say we, because my sisters and I and my brother too all have these abilities. But I didn't know that it was weird that I was having precognitive dreams when I was a little kid or that I would just know when the teacher was going to have a pop quiz and I would just happen to study the right material before the quiz. Or I remember in high school, I got called into, I think I was a junior and I got called into the principal's office to, and I was asked to write an essay for, get this, the Daughters of the American Revolution. I have no idea <laughs> about, it was a scholarship essay that they had a had a scholarship for. I got the download, like literally I'm walking down the hall. I can still picture this. I'm walking down the hall from, I was probably in English or French class to the, to the principal's office. The whole essay dropped in. I wrote it out, handed it in. I think I won $500 scholarship from that. So that's awesome. just, we just didn't, but we didn't have words for it. And after high school, what happened is I had, there was pretty significant trauma right around the time I was finishing high school. My mom and dad started getting divorced. My dad had an affair, a very public one actually with a, that involved another teacher in the school system. It was a very small school oh, system. Boy. And all of the, all of my siblings and her kids were in the same classes in the same, like it was a. Oh, that is really difficult. Shit show. And after that, I remember I just shut everything down. I was so heartbroken that from the time I was 18 until I was about 28, I was operating on five senses primarily. I don't think you can ever, when you are spiritually intelligent, ever fully shut it down, but I certainly did my best. Yeah. Um, whether it's drinking too much or staying out too late or anything to kind of mitigate the pain that I was feeling from that explosion of my family. So I went through in my 20s a real long period of depression and anxiety. I started having difficulty in school that I never had before. I remember in my junior year, I was studying some biology class because I was majoring in biology. And I kept on reading the same paragraph over and over and over again. I couldn't get it. And I started thinking, maybe I'm not as smart as I led everybody to believe. I graduated third in my high school class, you know, my and knowing because, you know, I study and work with gifted people, intellectually right. gifted people. So knowing all of this now, what I could see was happening is that I had the trauma related to my family's dissolution, basically along with all of the other difficult things that happened during that period of late adolescence and early adulthood, when you're just trying to figure out who you are and what you're supposed to do in the world. So exactly. that just does. So that was kind of an early part of my journey, but I did want to share that because the mental illness piece for me um, came on board around the time I was 18, not to mention that I got mononucleosis as well from Epstein-Barr. So I had that immune system situation going on as well. Yeah, that's a lot. And it's a lot. That period of growth and development and identification is traumatic, regardless of all of these external things that are going on. Um, I I actually had a spiritual event when I was about 16. And I can remember thinking, 
am I just fucking crazy? Because that was the that was the mm-hmm. norm in my family. Like, oh, they're just crazy. Like mm-hmm. the joke was that my grandfather had my grandfather was a builder. So he had assisted in the construction of the local mental hospital. So everyone joked that he just built an extra room there for our family. So like it was really normalized to think you were crazy. I almost think that it was a joke, but it wasn't a joke. (laughs) That's true. Yes. (laughs) My spidey sense says, yeah. And you think about those early experiences with, with some, with things that most people can't see, whether it's a ghost. I remember I would have olfactory experiences where I would smell. I remember one night I was probably 16 laying in my bed, the windows were open because it was summertime and I smelled the worst. It was male. It was body odor and it was threatening to me. And I was so upset by it. I came out, I got mom, you know, mom, dad, somebody's under my window. And the gift in that was that they never said I was crazy. They never questioned me. They just said, honey, there's nobody there. But there wasn't any of that chatter around she's crazy. Well, flash forward to I so my husband and I have been married for almost six years. He lost his best friend and his brother in the 9-11 attacks. His brother was a fireman, an FDNY fireman, John. And I know he's come periodically to me. He he hangs out at our house sometimes, let's be honest. He, you know critiques my egg, how well I do the eggs and things like that. He's very funny. Well, he's, but on, like, he's he, very strong energy. Like I'm covered in goosebumps. Yeah. John, we love John and he loves me and he calls me his angel because I know that one of the things that I've done, even before I knew Michael, my husband, on the night of 9-11, I was living in Kansas. I had nothing to do like other than just being an American citizen. I had nothing to do with 9-11 other than that. And I had already started, this was in my early 30s, I had already started my spiritual apprenticeship. I was starting in my road on psychology as well, the the clinical route. And I went into deep, I'm going to call it trance, but it wasn't trancey. It was just a a spiritual journey, I'll call it, to the towers on the night of 9-11. And I went and sought, and I couldn't see anybody except one person in my mind's eye, And I helped him transition. I know that was John. So he will come back periodically around 9-11. And there was one time a few years ago where I had the the physical experience of being with him as he was dying. So all of the bodily experiences of that transition. And I share that with you because when I shared it with my sisters and I shared, you know, I smell, I could smell everything of the smells of a man dying. And my sister reminded me, she said, well, remember when you were a kid and you, you were able to do that as well, or that happened to you as well. So there was that link there of, I don't want to say normalizing because it's a very extraordinary experience, isn't it? It's a beautiful experience. And yet to make it, how do I want to say that? They never questioned me. They never made me wrong. They never said I was crazy. They just accepted it as this is something that Robin does. And that I think has been foundational to all of the other work that I've been able to do on a spiritual and energetic plane throughout my career. 
that's the gift you bring to your clients. Mm-hmm. And, uh, among other gifts, I mean, you, you're you're multi-talented, but that's a gift that you've given me. Mm-hmm. How so? By being that foundation, mm-hmm. like even in our conversations, like with me telling you about the saddle, I was just telling Robin about a, a civil war saddle that I found. And I can tell Robin all of these things that other people would be like, you what a saddle talks to you. <laughs> okay, Jane, but mm-hmm. you provide that, like that sense of safety and acceptance that so many people that are on a spiritual journey don't have somewhere else. So Mm -hmm. thank you for that. You're welcome. I think it's so important as part of our understanding ourselves as spiritually intelligent people to just validate our experiences. And I learned as a psychologist too, that even, so there's a fine line, right? Between being psychic and being psychotic. There really is. And it has to do with your physiology. And it also has to do like, in other words, if you're feeling your best and you're having these psychic experiences, they're going to be pure, the purest and highest form. But people who are psychotic, who are having hallucinations, auditory hallucinations, visual olfactory hallucinations, they, they are having those experiences, but they are so distorted. And it's the, it's like a radio station, isn't it? Mm. What's the station that you're tuned into? I can tune into some of those kind of more staticky distorted stations and I can get energy I can get information from those frequencies. I don't hang out there, A, and why would I? But when you don't have any control or understanding of that's actually an ability that you have as a as a sixth sensory or as a spiritually intelligent person, it gets very, very confusing. And then when you position and then when you're in a position of not having anybody else around you who understands or believes you. So as a psychologist, what I learned early on is it doesn't matter what I believe, but what it's what you believe that is the most important thing. That's really powerful because a lot of people do look for external validation. And if if you can remind yourself that your belief is the principal driving factor that can free a lot of people from that, from the search seeking. Mm -hmm. Well, we all want to know when you have an awakening spiritually, as I did, as you probably did as well, because remember early on, I was totally in alignment and in tune with my, my gifts. But then at 18, I had this period of 10 years where I shut down. So I kind of went back to sleep in some ways. Mm -hmm. And when you start awakening, there's usually a, there can be a traumatic experience. There can be some kind of shift that happens physically in order for those gifts to start opening up. Incidentally, mine started opening up when I was 28 and 28 is, I think it's Saturn's return for the first time. And it's kind of that time in your life where you reevaluate, am I actually on the path? Am I actually doing what I said I would do? And very clearly, I didn't know anything about Saturn's return at that time, but very clearly I had this kind of come to Jesus moment where I'm like, shit, this is, is this all, cause this sucks. If this is all there is. And it's not that my life was bad. I was living in a suburb of Kansas and I got my nails done on Thursdays and, you know, did my drove a cute, you know, whatever. I mean, I was having a good 3d life, but it was just not my life. It wasn't what I was called to do. Very clearly. I 
knew and understood that. And that was really when I started my transition. The way that mine started, my awakening started was with weight loss because I had gained some weight. I was a college athlete and I was always really fit. And then when I shut everything down, you know, what's wrong with eating two Krispy Kreme donuts every morning and a Diet Coke <laughs> on your way to work? Like, really? Who? Why not? So, so my first stage of awakening was, gosh, I'm getting ready to turn 30. I want to get my body back. But that was enough to shift my consciousness so I could start opening up to some other things again. Well, that's really a great analogy of, of that reawakening your connection with your consciousness and shedding the layers of all of the numbing that had occurred over the last decade. Had a lot of healing to do a lot. And that healing went on through my early forties, actually. Um, Yeah, there was just, there was so much that I had to cover that I had just set aside or hadn't even really been aware of, but one way or another, my soul was like, you're doing this work. And I needed to do the work so that I could be the clear channel that I am today as yes. I, others in coming online with their own gifts. So let's talk a little bit about the things that you do with your clients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you want to know? Well, I, I know some of it, but <laughs> um, tell us tell us who is an ideal client for you. Mm-hmm. So the, there are two groups of people that I work with and what holds them together is their intellect. So they're very bright. They're often identified as gifted and talented when they're little kids. So they're in advanced classes and so on, but they're also emotionally intelligent. So they do have access to their emotions. They have most of the time latent spiritual intelligence. In other words, they're sort of just like we were talking about kind of behind the scenes, you kind of know stuff, but you're not like using that fully or aware of it fully. And you still kind of make it, make it wrong or make it weird to be that way. So, um, the, I work primarily with women, as you know, and most of the women who come to me come out of tech, fintech, healthcare. So physicians, engineers, I work with attorneys. I work with basically any grown up smart girl is I think a really good way to, to put that. They come to me not because they want to be intuitive. They, although they might start now that I'm on your podcast, I don't know, (laughs) but uh, they come to me because they're burned out because they're feeling unfulfilled in their careers because they know just like I was when I was 28, they're like, they're in an existential, at least conundrum, if not crisis about, is this all there is? What am I meant to be doing with my life? Cause this is, this is not it, whatever it is. And so many of us have given so much of our time, our talent, our energy to a professional, to our professional development, that sometimes we feel like we're backed in a corner in terms of this, is this all I can do? Because I've spent so much time, money, energy, focus doing this one thing. Some of them do come in for career jumps from one to leave corporate and to make the leap into spiritual entrepreneurship. Some of them come to me and say, Robin, I know I'm meant to be at the highest level of this organization. My superpower, Jamie, you know this. I will go to the mats for this every single time. If a woman comes to me and says, I want to raise it a promotion, I'm like, okay, we've got this. It takes, you know, it takes some time, but I can, that's one of those things that I'm like, I've got this, we've got this. And every single time they're finding jobs, even in weird job markets, 
that are unheard of. I've even had somebody have an entire division do a reorg to create a position for her in a very weird time. Like just weird stuff happens. Weird meaning lovingly. I say that weird, but unexplainable things happen as a result of this work. As an aside, the etymology of the word weird comes from the same derivation as wise. So yeah, it was perfectly weird. And you're a hundred percent a grown up smart girl for knowing that. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) I always say, I don't say that to compliment people. I say it because it's true. (laughs) (laughs) And if you take it as a compliment, that's fine, but it's just, you know, we pay attention. The, the, The linguistically able people pay attention to that kind of thing. So thank you for sharing that weird and wise. I love that. Yes. Um, Robin also has a a gift for reviewing. It's called the Neo assessment, right? Mm -hmm. Your, the personality Mm -hmm. assessment you use reviewing Mm -hmm. the information that comes out of that personality assessment and making you feel like there is reason behind the way you show up, which I think is a special gift mm. all in itself, because it's hard sometimes to relate to how other people show up and interact with you when you have that specific personality type. So it's it's really a nice integration of those pieces of information into how you work with your clients. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think the greatest gift you can give yourself is a deep understanding of your personality. And a part of that is because when I learned about my own personality, I learned that I'm more open than the vast majority of people on the planet. And being open means that I have access to my imagination, my emotions, my sense of adventure, Uh, and basically really explains the spiritual intelligence that I have access to. That's a highly heritable characteristic in the personality. So you can track it back through your families. But when I give that gift to other people to be able to explain, this is, this is why you are the way you are. This is how you show up in the world. That's foundational to making decisions about what your mission, vision, and purpose is. That's foundational to understanding what is it, not that I necessarily need to change because there's nothing really wrong with you so much as what can I amplify? What, how can I, how can I use this for good? How can I use my personality to make a contribution in the world? And those pieces of information are useful on the, on a personal level too. Cause I know when you did mine, and I complained about someone telling me that they had social anxiety. And you were like, very gently, you explained just because it's not something I can conceptualize, it does in fact exist and stop being such an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so hard because a lot of successful people have high positive affect. In other words, they have the capacity to feel happy. They have a sense of well-being about them and they have a low experience of negative affect. So they don't have anxiety, depression, impulsivity, sensitivity, distress. And you're, if you don't mind my saying, you're one of those people who has that really unique personality profile of being pretty unflappable in your nervous system. And 
just being able to excel in whatever you set out to do, because you don't have to filter everything through the lens of anxiety, depression, and so on. I'm on the other end of the spectrum on that. I've shared that part of my history is with clinical depression and anxiety. So everything that I do, as smart as I am, as talented as I am, early on, I had to filter everything through that lens of anxiety, depression, impulsivity. So can you imagine how distorted and how much effort that takes? The challenge is, and I have this ongoing challenge because a lot of the leaders in tech, the female leaders in tech have profiles similar to yours. And they're saying to people who have profiles that are very different, who have nervous systems that are very different, you just need to be unapologetic about this. And you just need to say no. And these people are like, oh my God, like it's okay for you, but for me. And so that kind of stop being such an asshole is such a, and by the way, I didn't say that to you. <laughs> no, that's just how it landed. It was probably <laughs> what I needed to hear. <laughs> just develop some empathy that other people have a different interaction with their nervous system than you do, or than, you know, the, the people who I'm working with in tech as well just so that they understand, because otherwise it becomes, well, I can do it. Why can't you do it? I have a personal trainer who's like that, totally non-neurotic. And there have been times I'm like, I can't go to the gym. I can't see people. He's like, Robin, you don't have to hug the machine. Just go work out. Like, what's the problem? And I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't leave my house today. It's too much. Well, I, I really appreciate <laughs> that you provide that insight because Otherwise, I would just be, you know, living from my perspective mm -hmm. and not have the understanding of so many people in my world and the world just at large. In the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I think it's so important to advocate for the twice exceptional, those who are very bright and talented, but also have something else that they have to deal with, like anxiety, depression, um, social anxiety. ADHD, any of those kind of brain-based experiences, dyslexia is another one, um, that create the conditions for them to, it, it actually lowers self-worth or self-esteem because remember what I said when I was in college and I'm like, well, maybe I'm not as smart as I used to be. It's not got nothing to do with my processing speed. It had everything to do with how my brain was functioning at the time. Yeah. And that's, that's a gift that we're in a position to have a platform to share. So thank you for mm -hmm. that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, well, I could chat with you all day and I will definitely have you back to talk about some of the really magical stuff that you're working on creating in the world. But until then, how can people find you? Well, you can always find me on social media, Instagram. I think it's Mckay, And I hang out on LinkedIn because that's where a lot of my clients and colleagues hang out as well, Facebook. And then if you go to my website, drrobinmckay.com, there's a pop-up screen for taking the leadership style quiz. And the leadership style quiz is a, a snapshot of that larger personality profile that Jamie was talking about a little bit earlier. But that just really gives you not just what is your leadership style, but what's the soul's purpose behind that leadership style. So that kind of integrates the leadership and the spiritual intelligence as well. So you can go over to my website and take that quiz and learn a little bit more about your leadership and your personality. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. You're welcome. I will, I will certainly include a link to that in the show notes. So 
pop over and check out what your leadership style is with Dr. Robin McKay. Robin, thank you for joining us. It's been great chatting with you. Likewise. Thanks for having me. I'll see you next time on Witches, Bitches, and Dead People. Peace and badass magic. Thank you for listening to Witches, Bitches, and Dead People with Jamie Hearn. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.